Hi, I'm Tig Notaro from Premium Blend nine years ago, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, songs we will randomly select here with the help of our friend synchronicity it's the radio Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, here at Starburns Industries in Burbank, California, with our musical guest, Alex Lilly. Hello. Hello. Hi, Alex Lilly. You are playing the songs which are the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. And this episode is a very, very spacious episode and that we are spending a lot of it in space gazing into space and the the Star Trek Discovery universe the Star Trek universe and particularly uh, the new season of Star Trek Discovery we had Anthony Rapp on as a guest then we had Mary Wiseman and now we are joined by Commander Saru himself Doug Jones welcome to Radio 8 Ball hello hello Doug hello hey. you, you might you might know this guy from a little film called Shape of Water where he played the romantic lead. This is Academy Award winning leading man. And then and that leads to Star Trek, which you're working with some real heavy hitters there too. So tell us a little bit about now I, I feel the most affinity, I kind of feel a lot of affinity with Commander Saru. Because I'm generally terrified. As am I. I I, uh, I totally understand Saru. I'm I'm uh... Well, every time I get a, every time I get a, another script for a new episode of Star Trek Discovery, I have a chance to fail. <laughs> you know what I mean, as an actor, I'm I'm very insecure. Really? Well. Oh yeah. Now, do you? Now, I've I've acted in horror films, and I find that I wonder if I because I don't like being I don't like watching horror films, but I some think I get cast in them because I'm just naturally scared. Do you feel like that uh-huh. that fear of failure is actually your strength? Hmm. Uh, maybe I think because that it's a healthy fear uh, if you use it correctly and you may and you make it push you forward into your best performance and to actually studying and, and preparing. Yeah, because uh, walking into a room unprepared is, and, and sometimes you can't help it because sometimes we get rewrites the night before and then you will have a new paragraph of tech talk to do the next day. That, that's my worst nightmare. That's almost as bad as that that dream we all had when you go to your you know you're in elementary school and you show up for with no pants on. That that's that dream. The tech talk dream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there any particular part of the technology that you feel like you can like? For me, learning lines. If there's something I can relate it to in real in my real life, it helps me to remember things and things that I can't connect with are a little bit. I have to come up with other devices. Are there aspects of the technology of Star Trek that you feel like? Oh yeah, I got my mind around that. 
Well, you know, uh, when I'm re- when when I'm reading a script for the for a new episode, I have to have Wikipedia open and the dictionary open at the same time because uh, not every word that you don't understand will be in the dictionary because a lot of it comes from Star Trek lore, and it and it's not a real word; it's something that was made up uh, and it showed up in a, in a different series, you know, twenty thirty years ago. So uh, you have to find out like what am I. And so you study it the best you can, and I have a non-scientific mind, I have an artistic mind, and so I, I do my best to try to see, make the sense of it, so that when Saru says something, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. That's, that's my big challenge. Yeah, yeah, and you do, but I mean, you've done a lot of sci-fi, this is not your own, your first foray into, right. you know, otherworldly right, yeah. projects. <laughs> right, I've been... I'm 33 years now into my career of wearing lots of rubber bits and playing lots of creatures from other worlds, some that talk, some that don't. And the ones that talk always seem to be smart. So so this is not my, my first time to the, to the scientific smart guy rodeo, but uh, so I do my best to channel my, my big brother Bobby. He, um, he's a PhD in molecular biology, so um, uh, that's all the more I've re- I know about what he does. I know how to, how to say his title and that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, I've, when I, 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 I've made the mistake once of asking, so how's work going? I didn't understand a word after that. Well, but you, you, you learned to, to have that, that scientific air of knowing. Is that mm-hmm. like right. the, that's yeah. how you say you channel him? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, his because uh, you know scientists um, are are they're, they're thinkers, not performers, and so. But yet, so you have to mix sort of that that uh, that that dry quest for knowledge you kind of mix that with something entertaining for an audience at home so you do have to it, it, i bring a few things into it you know yeah you know uh it makes me think of kurt vonnegut you know kurt vonnegut his brother was a very like i think he was a quantum physicist uh he was uh-huh. a physicist so and and in and vonnegut stuff sort of some of it verges on the sci-fi and he would say i think feel like it's a it, what you're describing is maybe a similar dynamic. Like he was inspired by his brother's background in science, and then he sort of found ways to smuggle it into his art. Mm-hmm. I think that is the perfect way. Yes, my brother Bobby does the same thing for me. I, I, yes. Yeah. So now I, I, I'm always curious uh, about our guests' relationship with synchronicity, but particularly in this case. We were talking. We've been talking a lot about the the whole uh, use of the idea of the mycelial web, mm-hmm. and we're actually oh, wow. uh, we were talking with Anthony. We're talking about uh, Paul Stamets, the mycologist who does all the work with mushrooms. And I'm just kind of curious if you have any experience of synchronicity, or if you have any particular sense or inspiration around not just the obvious sort of celebratory aspect of mushroom technology, but just mushrooms and fungi and mycelial webs in general well i love eating a good stuffed mushroom but that's a different thing right oh no that's all part of it (laughs) it's it's all part of it it's a very useful Uh, fungi yeah well you know uh, mushrooms are actually a part of the um uh uh, a dietary equation that 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 helps fight off cancer i I was watching uh, something once uh, a very uh, studied doctor man talk about um, warding off cancer and, and being diet controlled and he was t- he, he used the keyword uh, it was gomes g-o-m-b-s it was greens onions mushrooms 
beans, berries, and seeds, gomes. That was the that was the formula. Uh, it should be in your diet every day. So. Uh, I was never conscious of mushrooms before this as far as like, oh, I got to work those in. And now I absolutely love mushrooms. So not only do they help us uh, uh, fly very, very fast around the galaxy, um, but, uh, but there, there's, a, uh, there's another, another mystical power to them uh, as, as being very healthy. Yes, yes. I, uh, we're going to get to your question, but one of the things that I find, and I... My mind went there because you were talking about that you use the mushrooms to surf the the, the galaxy, but then I'm, I you never see the crew of the star the, of the the starship eating the mushrooms that are all, that are also that are grown in your greenhouse. Right? Would, wouldn't that be unfortunate? <laughs> like, hey, hey we got to get to point B. Oh, uh, we wipe our mouths. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, mm, but but then it also made me think one of the most disturbing parts of the first season of Star Trek Discovery was going to the place where your species are consumed are are were are consumed as food on the on the by is it the Klingon like I'm I got a little I'm getting a little lost no, in my that, start that, that, that was in that, right that's when when they we went to the mirror universe yes okay yes uh, the, Right, the mirror version of the Kelpians were indeed uh, food for um, for Emperor Giorgio and and her gang. It was like a delicacy, especially the threat ganglia. It was like the the, the really desired part. I, I guess there was something about that that made the character make a, a a whole bunch more sense to me. Like the fear and like the the fear reaction that your character has in his mm-hmm. ganglia. Right, well, is that what it is? Right, the threat ganglia. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, now that all comes in. So that that's the mirror universe. But in in the prime universe, uh, we're going to be visiting my home planet this year in season two. Um, we do. We're uh, the whole season. We're following uh, you know a trail of of proverbial breadcrumbs around the galaxy, to, uh, uh, finding uh, with um, you know and when it, where, wherever a, a signal goes off that, that draws us to it. Um, there's something there, a situation or a people that need us that are in dire straits of some sort, and, and we have have the tools and answers to fix whatever whatever we're chasing. Or one of those signals comes from the planet Kaminar, which is my home planet. So we find myself back there in the, for, for the first time since I left to join Starfleet, and uh, that's when when now we're going to have some questions answered, like um, what. What what is what is my society like? And and you know because uh, it's been it's been said many times that I'm a prey species, and so that begs the question: Well, who's the predator then? Well, yeah. we're going to meet them. We're going to find out all about that uh, and what the relationship is and how that ever came about and how um, in the short treks that have already aired now in the states, um, my my short story called uh, The Brightest Star gave you some backstory and showed a flashback of me when I was a teenager, uh, sort of Kelpian, and how I, how my inquiring mind got me to make contact, uh, first contact with Starfleet, and, uh, and how I actually got scooped up by them and taken into their fold. Uh, and, but I had to, I, when I left Kaminar, I, 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 they only took me with one condition that I couldn't come back, because um, my people on Kaminar were a pre-warp society. We oh, get yeah. into Starfleet, and that is post-warp. And so, of course, General Order 1 comes into play where I'm not to interfere with, with the pre-warp people until they get there on their own. So it's like, oh, this is so unfortunate. So um, 
so, so I have a lot to deal with here in season two when we get a few episodes in. Well, it is one of the more complex characters, I feel like, in the show. Um, so I'm looking forward to see, seeing how it uh, develops. As I say, I relate because I feel like a prey species sometimes myself. Right. The, w- the world wants to chew us up out there, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's get into your musical, to the, your musical divination here. We have, uh, we have Alex Lilly with a list of songs. We have our Wheel of Eight. And now, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? Well, um, now you, have you, uh, of course, being a, a pop oracle, I figured, oh, this is actually very thematic. Um, a very popular thing in, uh, right now are these collectibles called Funko Pop Figures. Have, have you heard of them? No. Funko okay, the Pop Figures. Funko Pop Figures. Um, and the figures are, are like um, from movies, television, sports figures, um, all kind, any, any kind of pop culture um, uh, icon or character is um, represented in a little bobblehead-looking sort of doll. They're, they're very big in the head and very tiny in the... And so any character you can think of from film and television, licensing and rights have, have, are acquired by Funko, and they make them into these little pop figures. I am now nine of them. Um, a gray alien from the X-Files, the mother ghost from Crimson Peak, um, Nosferatu. I did a remake that's coming out this year, so this one does count, Nosferatu. Uh, <laughs> Abe Sapien from the Hellboy movie, um, uh, the Silver Surfer, uh, Pan and the Pale Man, both from Pan's Labyrinth. And there are two versions of me as the amphibian man from The Shape of Water in, these, in, these particular, in this particular line of toys. So those are nine, and if if they get the rights to to the licensing rights to Star Trek, then there's a very good possibility we could have a Saru one that would be my tenth. So my question for the Pop Oracle would be: Are Funko Pop figures going to go the way of the Beanie Baby? Will they would or do or do they have staying power? That is a great question, wow. and I'm sure a lot of fans want to know because they're they're heavily invested. Will they go the way of the Beanie Baby, or will they have staying power? And now to engage the pop oracle, I am going to spin the wheel of eight. Na 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 na, wheel of eight. Song number six, Uh-oh. which is "Night Drive," a song called "Night Drive" from Alex Lilly. Now my window 
Alex Lilly with Night Drive. Night Drive. That's what it was. With Night Drive, the answer to Doug Jones's question: Will the funk, uh, Funko Pop, Funko Pop dolls go the way of the Beanie Baby, or will they have staying power? Because you're heavily invested in them, or they're heavily invested in you. They're big yeah. in the Doug Jones business. So right. let's let's see what Alex Lilly can tell us about the background of that song. Well. As it pertains to your question, Doug, it, I think that that song, in a way, was like the tarot card of death, which people go when they see it. It doesn't have to be a sign of of you know of loss, but it's it's a song about dying and about a chauffeur driving you around your favorite city, and <laughs> there's there's a chauffeur of death that laughs at the end, but maybe it's just because he was tickled by your question. Sorry. No, this this brings out the fearful in all of us. Right. Sure. Uh, Any collectible, I I think, has has a certain life uh, lifespan and shelf life. Uh, But I was I was hoping because these are collectible and signable for you know they they've been showing up at all my convention appearances. So I was like, oh, I hope this goes for a while. Eternity is eternity is taking me on one night drive yeah maybe there's also talk of eternity well i I have some ideas but the person who's being driven around who who is the character that's being driven around is it it's you it's It's me you wrote it about me andros (laughs) jones before you're you're so psychic that's yeah i'm so scared Uh, it's you when you die and the chauffeur of death shows up got it oh okay it's on your final ride got it so everyone's like it's the this world in which you get a final ride yes yeah well you know it's do you mind if I jump in here, Doug? Jump, jump, yes. Well, I think that there's something about our bodies die, but plastic is forever. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. And so so it could be that I mean I think it's it's the sense is that these are gonna these are going to live, outlive us. And what I then I, I have a fanciful mind. Maybe it's because I read a lot of Kurt Vonnegut when I was a, a, a young too, guy, yeah. and I think about something like that. I think, well, can you imagine? Like, imagine like miners who discover Earth in you know five hundred million years, and they find these stores of plastic, of little Funko dolls, and they become this incredible resource. These like, this incredibly valuable resource. On this, uh, to this other civilization that has no context for it, but they just find the storehouse of all these, you know, and they all are your face, and you could mm-hmm. end up powering, you know, powering a whole civilization just with your powering it. What on joy? No, with this Funko, with this Funko dolls, I mean, they what... throw them in. No, they throw them in the the Funko the Funko oh, machines, and they make Converts the Funko juice okay. that runs right. the Funkos. <laughs> I don't know what the right because they'll, they'll find a way to make plastic like the fuel of the future, right? And then uh-huh. and I'll be I'll be rich rich in fuel. Yeah, well, I'll be like an oil baron, but well, in the future. Well, it's more <laughs> like children, you'll be a you know you'll 
they won't know. I mean, they won't know what it, any of it means. They won't know Doug mm-hmm. Jones. They'll just know these faces on their fuel. They're like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I I don't know. I think about as a, as a creator of artifacts, I always think about how they may be repurposed in the future. Uh, <laughs> we never know. Right. So they could, be, they could be they could be coffee table legs for all I know. Well, I mean, and there's so you do a lot of the cons. Is that what I'm, that, that's oh, what yeah. I'm gathering? Oh, I do. Yeah, and oh, yeah. And not just, I mean, now that you're in the Star Trek universe, you're going to be doing cons for the rest of your life. Even more, even more so, yeah. right. But for what's, what, is, what, is, what do you get invited to cons most for? What do, you, what do people, before, well, obviously Shape of Water is huge. Right. Well, but, I, started, I started doing conventions back in 2006, and, and my, my drawing card then was the first Hellboy movie. Uh, since then, uh, Pan's Labyrinth and, and Hellboy 2 and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, that got me on the comic book circuit, of course, with the Hellboy, Hellboy and Silver Surfer, the, my big comic book convention draws. My horror, uh, horror conventions and fantasy conventions would involve the Pan's Labyrinth, and I was also the title character in the Bye Bye Man, which was in theaters um, 2017, and um, and I was the lead gentleman of the Buffy, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Hush episode. Which, but for Buffy fans, they're still very devoted to that show. They all know who I am from that. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it, the list goes on. I've got 33 years of of, uh, of wackadoodle-doo credits that um, that somebody's going to want an eight by ten signed from that thing. So, uh, uh, so, but Star Trek did did take take all those appearances into the stratosphere recently. Uh, you know, in the last year. Yeah, the Bye Bye Man. So when you're you're talking about that, that sounds like that sounds like that could relate to this song too. Like, <laughs> kind of. That <laughs> guy, the driver, kind of. is the oh, yeah. Bye Bye Man. Right. Sure, kinda, kinda, yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, mean, I just hope I hope he's not coming to claim all the Funko Pops though. I don't want to do that. Funko Pops, that's what is pop. Funko. Why do I like, cuz you said Pop Oracle. That's why it's like get out of my lane, Funko. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. no, I don't own Pop. I, yeah, I, that's what the kids are saying out there on the freeways exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh so well I well, I I guess um Yeah, I guess the 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 in the end that's the 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 uh, the pop oracle did give you the all things must pass answer. They're like, oh sure, yeah, we're all you know. It's it's the 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 fact is everything you know. It's the Buddhist mm-hmm. truth that everything eventually dies yeah. and disappears and becomes sand and nothingness. <laughs> and yet, we have much to enjoy here. Um, That's right. That's you know, right. and so let's live in the here and now. We have well. Let's live in. The, you know, we're we're doing a fun little time time travel thing here. So we're recording this episode on February fourteenth. The new season of Star Trek Two drops in three days on the seventeenth. Right? I see. I'm seeing oh, it on uh, buses. January fourteenth. Yes. Sorry, January fourteenth. What what was I, I saying? I was like, it's Valentine's. Did Day? I say February? Sorry, <laughs> it's January fourteenth, and the new season starts in three days, January seventeenth. Right? 17th, that is correct. Yes. yes. But this episode does not come out to the beginning of March. Oh. We'll so, be well into the season by then, yeah. Yeah, we'll be well into the season. Now, CBS got in touch with me, and they were like, no spoilers. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you told us something that was in the first season, first episode, <laughs> I oh, mean, uh, everyone would I'll, already I'll, know. Well, no. All I can tell you is we're going to pick up right where we left off. Uh, oh. we're okay, to okay. With the USS Discovery and what happens from there is anyone's guess. 
<laughs> Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio 8 Show. It's a good show.